Hello and welcome to another episode. God damn it. <laughs> Leave it. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> no, we can't. We can't. Uh, uh. <laughs> episode. Ah, oh, fuck it. I quit. <laughs> you know, it's. <laughs> You, you should you should leave that as the cold open though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't, I'm so out of it, man. Uh, oh, I'm so out. Of it. Dude, uh, it, it, if you if you want to punch out, I'd say punch out now before we get like halfway into this, and you're like, yeah, let's do this tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah, we'll, we'll do it now. Let's get the business. Another edition of the Mash Those Buttons Mashcast. I'm Jarrett. I'm here with contributor Nick Zungenkevich. Hey, how is everybody doing? And that's the only person I'm here with today. Yep. Uh, both Mikey and Rob are not able to be here tonight. So, uh, yeah, you just you just get us too. Congratulations! <laughs> <laughs> You've won the prize, but uh, let's uh, we got a couple things to talk about, so let's get into our normal thing. Nick, what have you been playing? Uh, the same as last week. Uh, I still love FTL. I uh, still am playing Hero Academy. Always looking for more people to play that. Uh, Wookie BH on Steam, and uh, yeah, still uh, working my way through Mists of Pandaria. Okay, so the usual Nick, not branching out all that much but you're up to three games now so yes. i guess that's that's yes. that's, well, that's a good yeah. thing yeah uh, one day <laughs> one day nick you will be playing games like the no, rest but, of us well, he, he, uh, you know, there, there, there's there's some other stuff going on that you know sometimes we can't devote as much time to gaming as we want to it happens but uh that things will change and then we'll have more time for gaming and uh, then we'll have more options of what to play so okay all right well i'll leave you alone <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so I am going to officially put Counter-Strike on my unmentionable list this will be the last mention, uh, week that I mention it but I uh, did play some Counter-Strike they, did, they came up with an update but I haven't had a chance to actually uh, play the new levels one thing I, that's really critical with Counter-Strike it is so hard to introduce new levels into Counter-Strike like they have to be perfect. You have to bring perfect new levels in, and like a lot of the levels, the way they are now, were brought in and tweaked over time. You know, so I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not gonna say anything bad about the stuff I haven't tried yet, but um, from the I don't, don't want to say pro community, but from the harder core Counter Strike community, I'm 
expect and maybe some kickback unless the maps are just that good. Have they, have they been introducing additional levels or you're still working through what was there at launch and I'm assuming there's plans to add more content over time? Oh yeah, well they did the same thing with Source, like they released a certain set of maps and then they just basically with Source, I don't think they actually made new new maps for it. I think they just remade old maps. You know, and I think that's kind of what they're going to do here. Um, so we'll see. But you won't hear about it next week because it's on my unmentionable list. Goes in with, with StarCraft. It's because we stream it every Thursday. Like, I play it at least once a week. So, um, Still playing through Borderlands 2. My highest character is like 15. That's because I keep restarting the game to help people who, you know, my friends who just start off. I help them, you know, help them out. So I, I want to make a new characters. So, you know, still playing Borderlands. Big news is that I finished the first Mass Effect. <laughs> that is, I finished first Mass Effect. I thought I was much closer to the end, so I was like, you know what? I, it was like 10 o'clock on Saturday, I think. And I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to finish it, like, right now. I started playing. I played for six hours straight. And then I ended it. And that included me. Like, I, I finished up all, like, most of the side quests. The only side quests I didn't do were the ones that require, were, like, you know, uh, collection quests. I'm not. I'm not a big fan of collection quests, but I did all the, you know, the side quests that I could do. Um, also, yeah. So it's all the side quests, and then the main mission, and then you know the ending. So I, I got that done, and I immediately started playing. Well, not immediately, but I uh, I st- immediately started downloading Mass Effect Two. Like as soon as I as soon as I beat Mass Effect One, I was pleased and I was ready to go forward. Um, but it was just funny because I, I thought it was interesting that I didn't even have to fight Saren. Like, that's how high my Paragon was. I don't know what happens if you go Renegade if you have to fight him anyway, but I, I made him feel really bad about himself. <laughs> <laughs> well, he should. Yeah, I mean, and then I didn't have to fight him, so I thought that was funny because I spent all this time, like, you know, prepping to, to fight him, and then I didn't even have to fight him, so. Um, Mass Effect 2, I like it. However, I don't know. It doesn't feel... I don't know. This, the, obviously, the scope is definitely larger. The scope is definitely larger. But in some aspects, I kind of feel like it's, it doesn't feel as massive. Like, you know, especially when I, when, when I went to the Citadel, like, I mean, it, it felt so small. The Citadel... They, so, go ahead. They, they said they actually had more missions planned for the Citadel. And I think that stuff actually wound up in Mass Effect 3. Really? So, Yeah. Yeah, the, the Citadel just felt so small, like, when I when I went there. I mean, like, it, you, you have such a limited uh, area that you can go to in the Citadel. And then the other place, what was it? Um, Omega, probably? Omega? Yeah, Omega, yeah. It was, like, this one of the first places you go to. But even that place feels, like, really small, like, you know, more manageable levels, I should say. Yeah. The place, it, it just didn't feel, like, that massive. Like, the first Mass Effect when I first played it, I like, felt massive. You know, and that's why I never finished it on the Xbox because I can't sit in front of my console and and play for that long. Part of that too was that they had the loading time problem with the elevators, so you felt like you were traveling a good distance, even if you were only going one floor. That is very, very true. <laughs> but very no, true. No, I, I think the the one, I think the one main difference between Mass Effect and Mass Effect Two is the story for two is very much it's it's very much linear and even though they give you options of like okay like you know at this point like you have these three 
missions, you know, you can pick which order you go on them in. It's still they're all they're they're all very similar and very tied into the main plot. And overall, the the, the plot is, is very it's very straightforward. I I, I think the first Mass Effect because you you still don't understand everything that's going on. I think the first Mass Effect felt a little bit open ended, and I get I get the sense that that's how the third one was. But again, I don't, we haven't played that yet, so. Yeah, yeah, like it definitely feels more linear and more to the point. Like it, like it's like you know, I know exactly what to do. Like each level feels like a level. It doesn't really feel like a world to me. You know if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, but I think that's but I think that's intentional though because by only showing you that level, the implication is that there are other levels that you're not seeing. And so in a way, it's almost like we're only going to show you this aspect. And the fact that you're going to feel limited it implies that there's more that you can't see. And therefore, it makes the world seem larger because you, you don't have you, – you, it almost – it unbounds your scope. I don't see it that way. <laughs> it just seems small to me. Smaller, like, you know, I, it just – I don't know. It, like, it doesn't it, – it feels more like a third – I mean, you still have the Mass Effect, uh, you know, the Mass Effect, um, you know, feeling to it, but it feels more like a third, regular third-person shooter than, like, you know, a, an RPG. Yeah. And I'm not asking for a full, like, 100% open world, you know, RPG here, but I, I just wish it, it, no, but I, you have more options. Yeah, but that's, I think that's what I was saying, is that it, it, it because the story's a lot more linear, like, yeah, you're not going to feel like you have the same level of freedom, and I think the it's, it, I think it comes back even to the, to the individual levels. Yeah, I wonder if the story like because I played Mass Effect the first Mass Effect for like I think it was like twenty five hours to get through one playthrough, and I uh, you know it feels like Mass Effect two is going to be is, is shorter. Um, if you I think the the main plot is probably a little shorter than that, but I think if you do the side quests and stuff, that'll flush it out. I want to yeah. say I spent maybe about thirty hours on it. Okay. Well, I'll be honest. So far, I do not have everybody. I don't have my full crew yet. I'm missing three people, so I don't know how many missions are going to be available after I have my full crew. You're well. Um. Yeah, you're 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 making good progress. I I, I'd say uh, when you have one spot open, that's probably when you want to do the bulk of your. Really? Uh, but, yeah. Although, like, you, although you can go back after you beat the game, you can go back and do other missions. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's that's my thing. Like, you know, with the first Mass Effect, I had everybody. Yeah. And then yeah, but, I had but a shit ton Mass of Effect, missions. You only it's only six people to get, and and you start out with two of them. So that's I mean, it's, it's not. I mean, this one they, they intentionally give you a larger crew because they want. I think whereas the first Mass Effect, they want the universe to feel larger. Here, they want your they they want your 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 scope to be very directed. You have a very specific mission. The entire game builds to that mission and you collect a larger crew, but you're only collecting larger crew because that mission is, is, is more dangerous and more important than in, well, I mean, that was pretty important in the first one, but it's very direct. And the, the size of the crew is, is, is related to that. Yeah. But that's, like I said, that was the thing. Like when I was, uh, when I played it, you know, like, well, the the part where you get the second half of the crew, or where they you get the 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 uh, the missions for the second half of the crew, he was like, "Hey, you need to prepare for this because you might not come back from blah blah blah." And I'm just like, "Really? Like we're talking about that already? Like it feels kind of early." I mean, I'm, I'm, ten, I'm ten hours in. Oh no! They, I mean, that's the whole point. They they're building to the the the, the end mission being a, a potential suicide mission, 
And there's actually um, a flowchart. I'll admit I had to cheat at the end, um, but there's actually a flowchart that tells you like if you like there are certain things you need to do throughout the course of the game, and if you do not do these certain things, then parts of that mission will go bad. And as things go bad, people can die, right. and that includes Shepard. <laughs> So there's the possibility that you may be successful, yet Shepard may still die. Really? Well, so. God, maybe I should look at that because really <laughs> I really don't want anybody to die. Like with the person who died in the first Mass Effect, eh, didn't like him anyway. So I, but so far the the cast that I have now, I really don't want anybody to die. So maybe I should take a look at that. Hopefully, it doesn't have too many spoilers. Uh, no, it will have spoilers. I w- as, as long as you do. It, it should be pretty obvious what you need to do. Um, basically, like every, it, 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 as you've probably noticed by now, as you befriend characters, that uh, they open up options for the ship to upgrade. Yeah. Make sure you get those from everybody. Um, that's pretty much what it boils down to. And then once you're actually in the mission, there's a few uh, decisions that you have to make when you're in the mission. But you can worry about it at that point. Oh, okay. So it's not like. I tell somebody that I don't like, you know, X, Y, Z, like in the beginning of the game. And then at the end of the game, like, not, ah, you hate that. Chinese it's not, it's not, food. It's not wow. quite as long as long as you, as long as you win their loyalty and you get them to op- open up the, the ship, ship upgrades, you should be okay. Okay. Everybody's loyalty is like normal right now. Okay. Then, then you need to do their, everybody should have their own little character side mission. You do right. that. And they become loyal at the end. Oh, okay. Yeah. I only have two so far. Yeah, so yeah, to do all do all the character side missions. Oh, okay. I thought it was like something complex. No, this is no. stuff that I would have done anyway. Yeah, yeah. Then you should be fine. Uh, okay, yeah, but what's great is that for someone who has not played Mass Effect Three, that uh, Bioware is going to be releasing a uh, box set of all three Mass Effects coming out in November. Yeah, we just got that news well, the other day. That was well this week. Yeah. Um. So that's great. Um, now that that box set is going to have uh, well, it's going to be box set for PS3 and Xbox 360, not necessarily for PC. Yeah, no, I, I believe I saw they are doing one for PC. Uh, an and actual they, box set? Yeah, they oh. better be. That's the one I'm going to buy. <laughs> well, okay. Well, that's but, uh, cool. that's going to come with all of the DLC, correct? Uh, I believe for one and two. For three, it has the online play, but I don't think it mentioned if it'll have any of the actual DLC. I think that you may need to buy separately. Like, oh, I, I, like I didn't, I didn't see any mention of it. I think it's what the Prometheus pack. Yeah, is what it was. Like I didn't, I know that came boxed in with the game at launch. I don't, they didn't see if they said that would be included or not. So I'm, I, I'm tending to think it probably won't be because otherwise they would have mentioned it. Oh, you know the what the end. One of the interesting things is that. Um... This comes out November 6th. Mass Effect 3 just came out earlier this year. It was this year, right? Yeah, yeah. It was uh, probably about four mo- four or five months ago now. What, what, like March? Yeah, so you're talking six, like it's, it's $60 for the trilogy, unless that number's wrong. Like, it's says $60 for the trilogy here. Yeah. but That's six, How much money did they make on that game when they came out? That now they can sell all three because Mass Effect Two isn't that old of a game well, either. Like, yeah, but I think the, the, the thing is though, like I think, well, outside, really, I think what's impressive is that they're including all the DLC because, I mean, even then, like now you can you, you can find Mass Effect for dirt cheap. You can find Mass Effect Two for dirt cheap, and really, the, the one thing that you can't get dirt cheap is the DLC. Right. I mean, that happened to me. I got you know I bought Mass Effect Two you know about this time last year. I got it for five bucks off Amazon, 
And then, but I went and had to spend, you know, about like $20, $20 on the DLC. So it still, you know, it still came out to be about an average price game. And I, 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 and that maybe, maybe that's their thinking here is you figure if you add it all up, you know, paying for the DLC and stuff, the games themselves probably work out to be like $5 a piece. And you're still going to have to buy the added on, uh, you know, the, what, the Prometheus pack with the, the Leviathan is the yeah, yeah. DLC that's supposed to be coming out soon. So you'll still have to pay full price for those. So maybe that's where they're planning on making their money. Maybe I do. Um, oh, go ahead. I don't know what I was gonna say. I, I do like I do like the fact that it's in a nice little box, though. I look forward to putting this up on like a shelf with my other like DVD series and whatnot. That'd be cool. I mean, I would get the PC version as long as it's not Origin exclusive. It shouldn't. Well, well, see, I, I, see again. This is this is where we differ because, like I just said, like I'm I I wouldn't buy this. Well, I mean, because I already have the other games installed and downloaded. There's no value to me in buying a collector's edition if I'm just buying the downloads. I, I specifically want to be able to take everything out and lay it all off my, over my coffee table and just bask in the glory of Mass Effect. Well, my thing is, like, if it's $60, that's the cost of Mass Effect 3 anyway. I might as well get, like, instead of buying Mass Effect 3. That's that's the interesting thing is, because who's, who's getting uh, Mass Effect 3 now for the first time? The Wii U. <laughs> And so if you've got the Wii U, you can either get $60 for the one game on your new system, or you can pay $60 for everything on the other systems. Yeah, it's a bad deal. The the only thing I'm disappointed about, though, is that, and it's really, it's a good thing, is that this is the first time that the original Mass Effect is available for the PlayStation. And so it's, it's, it's great if you want to play going forward, because now you can do the entire saga in one character on your, your PS3. But for anyone who picked up Mass Effect 2 or anyone who started on the PC, maybe you know it, it's a little bittersweet now. But it, it, it is a nice nice advantage going forward. Yeah. And they said that the, uh, the box set will be compatible with the standalone games. So if you have a character from Mass Effect 2 or Mass Effect 1 maybe for the Xbox and never got Mass Effect 2 or 3, you can, they will work with those games. Uh, one thing I'm hoping that happens is I'm hoping that this gets released on Steam. I really am because this is what like this is kind of what happened with Crisis too. Like Crisis Two was on Steam, but of course it got pulled when Origin came out. And then you know now we have that Crisis Two Maximum Edition. Like you know those it has like I think all the DLC and some um yeah, some additional like weapons or something like that for the multiplayer, which nobody plays by the way. But um. You know, that's on Steam now, so I'm hoping, like, this is the the same thing where, like, you know, EA got what they were looking for, and, uh, yeah, they were, uh, now it's like, okay, we'll put this on Steam. I wouldn't mind that so much. Actually, I prefer it, and that way I could just keep everything, all my eggs in one basket, I guess. Like I, like I said, I don't, it, it, I, I don't, I don't see the, the point of buying this like a I, I don't I, I don't I don't I don't understand why you would buy a, like a collector's edition to download it, it, it to me it seems to defeat the point but well I'm not I think it's like I really I mean it'd be nice to have like a like the actual box set but I mean I can you get when you down when you buy a collector's edition off of Steam and stuff like that um of course you don't get the physical stuff like you know I'm trying to think like if let's say Infamous let's say Infamous was on PC, and there was the I, I would never get the collector's edition of Infamous because the you know I would want my physical coal like statue. I'm looking at it right now, <laughs> so that's why I use that example. But I want my physical coal statue, 
but I'm not getting. But with Mass Effect, like the collector's edition, really, it comes with the three games and the DLC for for one and two. You know, I guess that is the one disappointing aspect is there doesn't seem to be any added on bonuses. No, like making of like little right. shorts or this like even like just, an art book. Yeah, this is just like a day. Oh, oh wait, sorry that. You know, to get more people who were into the series or who who didn't get into the series to get the game, and for people who maybe play parts of the series to play the rest of the game. Well, I I'm almost tempted to just start randomly giving it to people and being like, dude, you need to play this and just like, <laughs> one shot. Yeah, so um, that's gonna be cool. But I hope, like I said, I hope they bring it to Steam, and I'll be happy camper because then I can play Mass Effect Three. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it'll. I'm sure Mass Effect Three will get on Steam one way or the other. Whether it's yeah. part of this collector's edition is, is, is unknown. Yeah, it's unknown. So, we'll see. Uh, but, yeah, let's move on to something else here. Uh, how about Mr. Pandaria? Let's talk about Mr. Pandaria. And uh, well, maybe some disappointing stuff. I know you had some theories about that, Nick, before um, this article came out. Well, yeah. Well, no. Um, well, the, the, the article we're talking about, it uh, mentions that Lazard, I believe is the name, uh, Lazard Capital uh, talk about how uh, only six hundred to seven hundred thousand copies of Mister Pandaria were sold at retail, um, which is down significantly from the three point three million copies of Cataclysm um, that were sold when that launched. Uh, and the thing is, well, first off, they're only they're not counting all the downloads, um, which it, it, in this day and age to not be counting downloads in, in your numbers, it it that, that's almost irresponsible. I mean, it, it, this isn't this isn't like 2004, <laughs> like like you know like it's you know like downloading is 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 more than more than an acceptable activity. It's almost it's becoming like a primary way of getting uh, getting media. So to, for them not you know for them to be making statements without factoring that in is rather surprising. Um, they do estimate overall though that sales were down about 60 percent, and if you figure. Uh, roughly in the neighborhood of say like a million copies, you're still getting about 1.6 to 1.7 million downloads. Again, comparing that to the 3.3 million for Cataclysm. Um, the the thing about the thing about Blizzard is that if going back, they were very proud because you had you had uh, the original WoW, then you had Burning Crusade, and you had Wrath of the Lich King, then you had uh, Cataclysm, and then you had Diablo 3. Each of these setting records for being the best-selling PC game of all all time, and Following that trend point, you would have thought that Mr. Pandaria would have broken what Diablo 3 just did. Um, and clearly it fell well short. Uh, the problem the problem fundamentally is that this expansion well, – Cataclysm was designed to get, get old players back into the game, to get last players back into the game. It was a six-year-old game, and it was intended to bring people back, and people responded to that greatly. This expansion has an entirely different focus, and this expansion is intended to get players who are in the game to stay there. And really, one of the main focuses of this expansion is on endgame content. Um, they've upped the number of, of max level questing you can do. They added pet battles or something you can do at max level. Uh, they've they've made the the uh, professions a lot easier to level up, so you can get them to max level. They are really focused on giving people. You know, there's a ton of different reputations for you to earn. They've added the raid finder, uh, so this way, you know, if, even if you're not really into raiding, it's a little, it's easier for you to get into that. They're, 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 they're re- their focus is really let's get you to level 90 and then let, let's keep you engaged with the game at that point. Because I, th- I think the one thing that they found is that a lot of people would get to level 90, they maybe do a few raids or dungeons, or maybe they liked questing the whole time, and then they got bored because there was no more questing to do. Because at that point, the old endgame was either PvP or it was raids. And that's not for everybody. That tends to be sort of the hardcore perspective. 
And so it's not surprising that the sales have been low, but I think what, what, what they're expecting to happen is that the sales will sort of be spread out on this and that people will start coming back to the game when they'll say like, oh, hey, you know, I can play Pokemon in WoW now. This actually interests me. Or, you know, I can, you know, I can take this character that I've already gotten to level 70 or level 80 or level 85 and, you know, you know, spend a few hours leveling it up and there's so much more that I can do now. The game is so much more accessible. And really, the reason they can do this is because Blizzard is one of the companies that, that they study their player behavior relentlessly. Um, and they track and they, they obtain as much data as they can. And so even though you'll see a lot of the hardcore fans complain, why are you making a game for casuals? It's because they know that the casuals are their bread and butter. And so it's really, I think this is, the, I think we'll see the full effect of the sales of this expansion over time, not necessarily immediately. Nick's all in coverage, everybody. Let's move on. Like, <laughs> I mean, well, well I, I should just mention, though, the one point about Blizzard collecting data and using that, that came from another article on uh, game game industry. But uh, I, really don't, I mean, I really don't have much to say about it. I think, like, we had talked about it before, and you, know, you said that it, it will probably be impossible for them to break Diablo's record, which Do- means... This would they, this would not be the best well, selling. They, game of all what, time. what they what they they what they even did though is to to a degree. I mean, they propped up Diablo with the WoW subscriptions, and and I mean they really they kind of leveraged the two of them against each other with the annual pass. Because if you if you said I will subscribe to WoW for a year, and they offered this about a year ago last October, they said if, if you said if I will subscribe to WoW for a year, you don't have to pay anything. You just said you know just you know raise your hand and promise to pay them for a year. They gave you a free copy of Diablo three, and so that counted as a sale. But they didn't really make any money off that because, well, I, I guess the way they made their money is that they got you to keep paying for WoW. So they got to prop up the the WoW subscriptions at the at the sort of the cost of some of the money for for Diablo, but they also got to prop up their Diablo sales numbers. Right. So it was really a masterful stroke on their part, in that it, it sort of fed two horses with one piece of hay. But it's uh, no, they're uh, I think they're things are looking down right now but they're gonna look up soon uh, i mean with the subscription base they have is they're very fall from falling i would say i mean their investors i mean may get a, a lower return which always always viewed as a negative but i would imagine they're still getting a return they're- What's nine? What's nine million times fifteen dollars a month? Because <laughs> that's. I mean, they're. I mean, they've they've lost. What they when they dropped from twelve to ten million, they lost more. They lost more than pretty much every other MMO has. So they're, you can't. You, you know, you can't talk about them in the same breath that you talk about any other MMO. Not that they're different or special. It's just that their their success is on such a, a larger scale. It's not comparable. Well, there you go. You're absolutely right. Even though, like, I mean, not like, like you said, nine times fifteen. You know, the nine, the nine million does. It is. I'm not gonna say it sounds like a lot. It is a lot of money. <laughs> but uh, they're also a very massive organization. Yes. I think more than people realize. Like, I, I don't know. What, I know they had some layoffs, but I think they're pr- they're still four thousand plus employees. And they're still technically hiring too. I mean, they're not. I, I think the, the the argument at the time that was that the layoffs were just restructuring, and I think a lot, some people were concerned, like, oh, because you're announcing these roughly the same time as the subscription numbers are falling. But I don't think we've seen anything to indicate that it wasn't restructuring. Like, we haven't seen them really go on any kind of, you know, like financial crisis mode or anything. They seem like they're doing perfectly fine. Yeah. 
Blizzard, we're doing very well. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Go play a panda. Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's uh, roll to our next topic, which uh, I guess is sad news for some people. Not for me anymore, but... uh, (laughs) (laughs) You heartless bastard! (laughs) Cliffy B, who I will always call Cliffy B, even though he doesn't want to really be called Cliffy B anymore. Mainly because I find his last name hard to pronounce. (laughs) Blazinski? I think so. He's Cliffy B to me. (laughs) But Cliffy B is leaving Epic. Uh, On good terms, I mean, this... this, uh, this little article that was on uh, Epic's blog is very, like, you know, everybody is like, well, we wish Cliffy the best. Uh, you know, Tim Sweeney was like, you know, 20 wonderful years with Epic. So everything is on good terms. Like, he didn't have it out with anybody. Uh, so, I mean, I guess that's good. But he's saying that, you know, he's been making games since, you know, he was a teenager and he just needs a break. And so he, I guess he's going to take take some time for some R&R. I mean, obviously, like, this is not the last we've heard from him. I mean, because he's, he's way too young to be retiring for good <laughs> from video yeah. games. And when you love something the way he does, because even I, ooh, ooh, I've disagreed with many, many, many of his de- decisions. <laughs> many, many. Vocal. But you agree with this one, though. <laughs> he <shot> the <laughs> hell out of gaming. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I've, like I said, I've disagreed with many of his decisions, but I do. I, you know, I'm not going to deny that you know he, uh, his love for the genre, you know, his love for game for for making games, you know. And if it wasn't I mean, honestly, if it wasn't for him, there's a lot of things that, that wouldn't have happened in Unreal Tournament that probably uh, made me love that game the way I did, cool. you know, and spend the amount of time because he was heavily involved in in the Unreal Tournament series. Yeah, but. It- and by extension, I, I presume he was also heavily involved in the the rise of the Unreal Engine. Yeah, I mean, and so yeah, so I think his, I mean, but him, he may be leaving gaming, but his 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 presence will be felt long beyond his, you know, retirement or sabbatical or whatever he's doing. Even when he comes back, he was he's one of those uh, one of those guys that had a very long long effect on on uh, on what we do. Yeah, I think so. Now, he was he was already he already was not involved in the next gears, so that's looking up. But uh, you know, like I said his his recent decision, not recent, but you know, that's when I really I fell out with Epic. I guess you could say starting with Gears of War. Like I played it, and I was like, okay, this is kind of cool, but where is my Unreal Tournament? And then they butchered Unreal Tournament three, and that's when I cut ties. With Epic, financially speaking. <laughs> um, the one, the one thing I wonder is, to, from for for me, he's always been sort of like the face of the company, and so it's like whenever like anything with Epic has come up, it's always like Cliffy B says this or Cliffy B says something, and it's kind of presumed like if Cliffy B says it, then Epic is also saying it, and I kind of wonder like who. I mean, I've seen interviews with like Tim Sweeney and and uh, and some of the other you know people from Epic before, so it's not like they don't they they don't have other you know, public facing, you know, um, um, employees, but it just, it just, it's, it's, it's almost like he was their mascot. It's a little, it's a little, I guess that's sort of the surprise for me is that he, he was, you know, it's like, it's, it, in a way it's almost like he was Epic and now it's like, 
the company I'm, I, I almost wonder because I know he mentions he took a sabbatical before yeah. so I'm thinking like I, I almost wonder how develop, how involved has he been over the last few years with a lot of the decisions that have been made recently and I, I think the company is going to function just fine without him I, I don't think you leave on like a happy note like this if you haven't been planning for this day for a while right so I don't think there's any going to be any sort of like you know like shift in the direction of the company or any sort of power struggles internally, but it's just a little surprising. It's all it's 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 it almost it's almost kind of like Mario being like, oh, you know, what? I don't want to work for Nintendo anymore. I'm actually going to go be a plumber now. <laughs> well, I mean, it definitely is surprising, but I mean, like I I know that his decision and his influence have definitely helped the company, but in terms of his his I guess him being the public facing figure, um, recently I mean, think about it, over the last few years, like how much public facing has he really been doing most of the articles we read uh where epic is making statements or things that are notable are either coming from like mike caps or tim sweeney you know but i, I think I feel, he oh go ahead no, I, was gonna say, I feel like they all have like cliffy b's picture alongside them though <laughs> well the thing is like cliffy b was way more involved when epic was involved with their community that was a thing. Like during the Unreal Tournament years, where like you know, they were heavily involved. Like Epic and the and the Unreal Tournament community were working closely together to make like map packs and um, you know new game modes and working with mods and things like that. You know, like a lot of maps got around. Cliffy B, like Cliffy B's ownage, like that website. A lot of good maps came to light because of that website. You know. And I think that's really how he became, like, the face of Epic. Like, that's who I identify with whenever I thought of Epic Games, I thought of Cliffy B, because this was the guy I saw interacting with the community. Uh, but that kind of disappeared. Like, when they went, you know, because there's no denying that they went, that they, that they started, they steered heavily toward the consoles, you know, with Gears of War, and then saying what they did about the PC community, like, oh, well, you know, PC community pirates games, and that's why, and that's why, you know, we're not making a Gears 2 for PC, and, you know, definitely not putting resources into PC the way they should have, or at least the way, you know, to the point, it was to the point where the community would kind of felt abandoned, you know? Nobody played on Return of 3. That game died so fast, you know? But, yeah, that's like that's that's where I remember Cliffy B from. Like when he when Epic was heavily invested in the community, Cliffy B was there. And then after that, like I mean, he he was around. He was saying stuff, but uh, you were we were seeing more uh, important stuff come from like Tim Sweeney and Mike Caps. All right, that's just how that's that that's how I view it to me. You know, it, you know, it looks to me. So I mean. Things are gonna continue the way they were, but like I mean, his departure is important, but I don't think it's as important as it. If he would have did this like in the early two thousands, that would be a different story. That, I think that well, that would I think that would change the face of gaming. I think would it change the face of gaming? I mean, cause I, the, the Unreal, I don't think you get, I don't think you get Gears of War if he leaves. Does Gear have did Gears change the face of gaming? No, no, like the Unreal three, the Unreal three engine definitely had its impact and made its mark on gaming, but I think that would have came either way. That would the Unreal 3 engine would have come either way. But Gears of War, I... Gears of War is not a game that changes the face of gaming. You know, I'm trying to think... The the biggest contribution that Gears of War... I should say contribution, but the I think like one of the, one of the major things that Gears of War did that wasn't really happening at the time 
was the clean HUD. That was that was like the biggest thing. Gears clean HUD, like you know, you're playing the game and there's like nothing on the screen except the character and the enemies, and it's more entrenching. And now we see more and more. Well, of course, now at this point, like clean HUD is the thing to do, or at least make a HUD that interfaces with the game that really really fits, like a Crisis, like the Crisis HUD, you know. But like the uh, you know, I mean, eventually I think clean HUD would have came, but like you know. Gears, I think it was like the first thing that was like the really the first game that really boom, like put that there, clean HUD. Especially for a console game. I don't know. I would ask you, but you probably don't play enough. Like, no, I really haven't. I, 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 may have, I may have engaged in a little bit of hyperbole there. Oh, okay. I, th- <laughs> I think so. And here I am, Mr. Debbie Downer. Nick Zell and Kevin just wrong. Somebody, somebody's got to play their old Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but um, yeah, Gears. Like, I wouldn't call that a a, um, a game that changed the face of gaming. And if somebody disagrees, please feel free to disagree, and then tell me. Don't just say I disagree, but you gotta tell me why. Why am I wrong? Tell me how Gears changed the face of gaming, and don't tell me because before you couldn't saw people in half. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> like <laughs> it was coming anyway. <laughs> yeah, but uh, like I said, I mean, like I said, I haven't. I haven't agreed with many, many, many of his decisions, you know, I guess, from 2005, you know, for the greater part of the last decade. Maybe that's how the face of gaming changes, is that Epic suddenly keeps making decisions that you agree with, and the world's a better place. That would be amazing. There would be pots of golds and rainbows for everybody. In in my world. (laughs) Send out on pots of gold. It's terrible. Pots of gold, man. But, uh... Yeah, so well, I, you know, I appreciate. I definitely appreciate what he did to the games that I liked. In the term, well, not Unreal Tournament three, but uh, you know, two K four, two K three, and you know, UT Classic before that. You know, without him, those games wouldn't have gotten as far as they did, and that's something I appreciate. So. I, I like your statement because you're basically like, I like the things that I liked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. Like, thanks for your contributions on the things that I liked. <laughs> The rest of it sucked. Have a nice day. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. (sighs) All right. (laughs) Yeah, moving on to our next topic, which is a bit heavier, I guess, than just a bit, right? (laughs) Yeah, we did. We normally do. Um, We uh, just a quick, (laughs) a quick side note here. Uh, When we do the programs for the show, like I usually have like the name of the, you know, like a like a topic or the name of the topic, (laughs) and then the link. For the article, the name of the topic here that I just have is just called racism. <laughs> <laughs> like that's it, just boom, racism. So um, basically, uh, what happened uh, over at Kickside, which I'm not sure if you guys remember. I think we, I don't even actually we might not have talked about it, but they had that um, recruiting video that said you know they didn't want you know. What was it? Programmers? They want yeah. programmers. Like, there's a very, <laughs> I guess, it's a very spirited or free atmosphere over at the Kickside. It's, it's, it's very youthful, yeah. and uh, I think the word uh, is there a word that that means frat boyish? I guess so. Yeah, using words like you know, bro, uh, programmer. I almost, I almost want to say douchebag, but I don't, yeah. I don't think that's quite. That's a little, that's a little too negative. 
maybe. Well, this article is really negative. It's lighter than what goes on in this article, I'll tell you that much. But That's um, true, that is true. So basically what happens is uh, there's an employee, uh, which I guess his, um, his alias is Curiosity. It's, uh, no, it's Curiosity. Curiosity, sorry. Curiosity. Uh, he is black, and, uh, you know, so he is accusing uh, Kixai uh, for several, like, you know, several serious allegations of, like, racism. Um, he also, he mentions racism, um, you know, some homophobic, homophobic slur and stuff like that as well. But the article focuses on racism. Basically, he comes in to work one day, uh, and, you know, they, you know, I guess the employers or the people up top, I mean, at the very top, but, you know, somebody higher up than him, they, they make comments on his dress saying, hey, he, you know, uh, they, he dresses too thuggishly. That's what, that's, that, you know, too thuggish dressing in the office, and they want them to dress in a way that, re, uh, you know, reflects the company better. Um, so, really poor choice of words there. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, can you see the, the picture of him? Because I, I, cause the, the, the article on Kotaku, it, the picture at the top, the face is blurred, but that's supposed to be him dressed thuggishly. Uh, yeah, thugs he, don't dress like that. No, it's he's he's actually very trendy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it it, it, like, it does look trendy if that's actually what he was wearing. It is very trendy. Thugs don't wear tight shirts like that. Do thugs wear trucker hats? No, thugs also do not wear trucker hats. <laughs> <laughs> but so basically, they're saying that he was, you know, dressing thug, or uh, like it, maybe it was. It would be worse if they did like the air quotes, like you dress too urban. <laughs> <laughs> you know so you know they uh they uh you know they said they wanted to dress better so that that's bad enough you know clearly clear point they they're so they could have addressed that so much better but you know then he starts bringing up saying hey uh you know this is the first racist thing that people have said you know i've heard and this, I'm sorry, this is not verb, I'm, I'm paraphrasing what he's saying here, but you know, I've been in the office and people have said racist, sexist, and homophobic thing, and transphobic, and he says, you know, whoever he's talking to, oh, whoa, whoa, you know, those comments aren't racist, you're being too sensitive. You need to check all that at the door before you come to work. He needs to check his sensitivity at the door before coming to work. You know, he says, uh, we don't tolerate people bringing up concerns of racism here. Which is <laughs> more bad. That's a really bad way to handle this situation. That's, that's not defensible. It's just, it's not. <laughs> exactly. Hey, you can't talk about us being racist here. You can't talk, it's not, it's not even, it's not even like, well, we're not, you know, like, I, I, I can understand the, 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 at least the attempt at like, oh, well, it's not racist because it's a joke, like that kind of flawed logic, but to just flat out say like, you can't even accuse us of being racist, like we don't even tolerate the accusation, like, of course you don't tolerate the accusation because you don't think that you're doing it, that's, that, that, that's just completely, it's, it's completely mind boggling that somebody would actually say that. Dude, it, it continues. It continues. It says, uh, let's see. Uh, <laughs> he says he tries pushing back with the realities of the world and their policies and laws uh, that maintain racial uh, inequality so it's not feasible. 
Um, but you know, uh, he, he he said the, whoever he's talking to, I, I I think his name is Steve. Um, he says the no, you're too sensitive. That's the problem. I acknowledge that racism happens out there in the world at times, but racism doesn't happen in this office. Then he continues to say, besides, there are trans office, uh, sorry, there are transvestites <laughs> on the on the team that I hired. So basically, he's trying to say that you know, hey, I hired transvestites. I can't be racist. <laughs> <laughs> so this, I, I mean, it it's funny and sad. Yeah, probably should it shouldn't be funny. But it is like that. This conversation it happened allegedly. Just the thought, well, like I, I, that's I, why it's, it feels so far fetched. Like, are you serious? Like, somebody's actually saying this this to you in your face, but then you think about the world. He's <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I can see that happening. Well, I, 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 but not just think about the world, but but I, I think I think the issue and and it, it's really it's it's the culture that they tried to create there and it goes it goes back to that hiring video with the programmers it's if you've got this you know to, to use that term again, you know this frat boy mentality of like hey we're all in this together we're all gonna you know we're all very not you know not serious we can all screw around it's a very f- free atmosphere where we can say whatever we want that's fun like, like, like to, 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 to think that you can do that and this is why this is why there's there's like codes of conduct for offices because when you have that sort of very open and free-flowing environment you can get someone caught in there who disagrees with it is offended or you know considers it to be hostile and there's no there's no out there's no way for them to, to display that because as soon as they, they they start to say wait a minute guys i'm uncomfortable with this whole setting then then everybody says like whoa now you're being too sensitive you're turning on us and you're the outsider and it, it's one it's one of those things like in a, in a in a you know perfect world you know sort of with air quotes like you should be able to sort of have as free or res, you know restrictive an environment as you want to work in especially if that's what you're setting but the reality is is that you know these things sort of become self perpetuating and then you get people brought in and you don't even real like people, you know you don't know how the environment is until you're actually in it and then at that point you can't change it and then it be- then it becomes a very bad situation i think wasn't there uh wasn't there another company where that uh, a few weeks ago there was allegations of sexual harassment? Where uh, yeah, I can't remember who that yeah, is. Now, right now, now I got to think of that. Let me let me see if I can find that because it it seems like again that's the same type of, of situation where you know somebody came in and again it was a very sort of you know boys club mentality for for lack of a better term and you know and you don't re- you don't realize that what you're saying is actually hurtful to other people. And it's easy to think, oh, well, we're all friends here. We can all joke about that, but that's not—it's not always the case. And that's that's why that's why there are rules. That's why there are codes of conduct to prevent this kind of stuff from happening. And I think I think that's sort of what's so what's so interesting about this is I think for most of us, you know, having you know a regular nine to five job, or you know maybe not quite nine to five, but most of us work you know work in environments where there are very defined codes of conduct. And so this is just a complete. This is almost this is almost just completely ridiculous because I don't think I think you know in the average environment in the average environment the conversations don't even make it this far. I mean, you get to the point again where it's like, well, you know, we don't even tolerate bringing up concerns of racism. If you really have an open environment, you should allow somebody to make that to say that to you to say, hey, I don't feel comfortable with what you're saying, and then you have a discussion about that. But to just flat out shut them down and say you can't even accuse me of that. I mean, that, that's so blockheaded. It's 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 it's. I mean, and again, these are all allegations, and there's no real, 
you know, I mean, outside of this blog post, there's not much evidence that this happened. And if if it is all fictitious, this guy's a great writer. <laughs> but I, you know what? I can't tell if you're mad that he said it, or that he said it because it's racist, or that he just said it because it's stupid. If I'm mad at that, yeah, I can't tell. Are you mad because he just said it and it's fucking dumb? I, I think it's more so because it's dumb. It's it's it's. I mean, I, well, fundamentally, I, fundamentally, I think ra- racism is dumb, and and so, but therefore, it's it's like not even. It's like I, I it's it's you know, not even to begrudge anybody or, or say like you can or can't hold a certain opinion or whatever, but just just to 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 be so to have built up such like a a wall around sort of how the world is and to think like, Oh, like, you know, especially I'll, and I'll let you get to the third paragraph. You haven't even gotten to yet, but that's, that's got, I, I'm completely flabbergasted at the, the line that he says. If you want to go yeah, into that, I'll go. This is, let me tell you, this is what Steve says. I confirmed it is definitely Steve. Let me tell you, it's okay to make jokes about slavery because that's over. Are you a slave? Is anyone you know a slave? No. So jokes are fine because that's in the past. Yeah, that's that's in the past. So we're like what the Asian internment camps, <laughs> you know, during World War Two uh, concentration camps. Yeah, the Holocaust is. I mean, that's over. Uh, you know, Saddam Hussein's dead. So all that's funny now. You know, everything he did. Uh, yeah. So it's all we can all joke about. Things that are over. It's just, yeah. There has to be, there has to be something that would offend this person. Like he can't, he can't not have any sort of sensitivity. Like, and I'm, I'm legitimately curious what that is because I then want to counter with like, whatever it is, is in the past. And therefore we can joke about it. <laughs> It's just amazing. I almost feel like he should be put in like a circus, and we can all go look at him and be like, "Look at how stupid this person is for for saying that." Yeah, it's just I don't know. Like, it's kind of like when people say stuff, or or when things come out of people's mouths like this, it's like really, like you know, the brain is a complex. It's very complex. And to think that your brain did all that work just so that shit can come out of your mouth, you know, is such a waste. (laughs) Such a waste. It it would be a complete waste if it wasn't entertaining me right now. You know, I don't want to necessarily get into an argument about the merits of the, the, the comment itself. But it's it's more so, I think, it's the fact that he said this in an office environment where there's supposed to be some level of professionalism, where if they had an idea of professionalism, they could have used that to simply say to the guy at the beginning, we don't think that you're dressing professionally. Please, you know, wear a tie or something. And that <laughs> cuts all of this yeah. off. And yeah. it's just, I mean, and, and they maybe they're lucky, and that you know they they have their own game studio and they can set the rules to however they want. But it's just to be so. To, 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 be, to be so sheltered Stupid. from from you know like office life. <laughs> like you can, like, I mean uh, if, I'm pretty sure if I said that at work tomorrow I would get fired <laughs> yeah and then we'd all get like you know <laughs> an HR since, meeting since you're training for two hours at, you know after five yeah that's exactly what happened yeah and and, and I, I think clearly that's not happening here I mean they they 
I mean, it's not because even I mean, even then, and and, and fundamentally, what you know, I mean, ultimately, now there's there's some lawsuits being you know bandied about over this, and that's that's why the company has those meetings, and that's why they say like this is what you can and this is what you can't you know say you know in the company of your employees, what you can and this is what you can't say in an interview. I mean, there are there are very real reasons to have these rules, and it's not it's not because it's like oh we want to you know like make the place all like you know like stiff and and oh everybody's got to be hoity toity and you can't have any fun at work. That's not why it is. It's because once you get rid of the rules, there's always an idiot that says these things and gets everybody in trouble. Yeah, but whenever you do have those meetings, do know that somebody said that shit. <laughs> you know, that's, that's somebody there. If you have a meeting on sexual harassment, somebody got sexual harassment. Yes. But the you thing know. is, but the, but again, and that's and that's the thing though is, I mean, you know, like you know, with sexual harassment or with the accusations of racism, it's it's not it's not necessarily intentional, and it's not even necessarily recognized by the offender as oh, well, you know, like you know, like this guy legitimately believes that he's you know he can make jokes about slavery, and that's not offensive. <laughs> And but it never even occurs to him that to somebody that might be offensive, or if it, if if it is offensive, that person's too sensitive. That, that that that's your problem for not being okay with slavery now. Yeah, because it's so over, man. It, it, <laughs> Get over it. <laughs> Dude. Uh, I, I honestly, I honestly hope we're making a mountain out of a molehill, and this is this is all nothing. But uh, <laughs> I, I kind of think it's not though. Me either. You know what? At first, when I, when I was reading this, and there's probably somebody listening to this right now, I'd be like, you don't even know if though that's 100% correct. It hasn't been confirmed. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Well, the thing is, like, that's kind of the, the way I was thinking. You know, at first, when I uh, when I was reading this, I was like, we don't even know if that guy was lying, if he said something to them. And, you know, we don't know the full situation. But the thing that kind of makes me think that this is actually, this actually happened is this, final, this, this statement or this update that came a little later. Yes. It says, uh, uh, this is a uh, message from the Kicks Eye CEO, Will Harbin, to Kotaku. Five hours ago, I was shocked to learn through a blog, a blog post of a former short-term contract employee about allegations of discriminatory behavior at Kicks Eye. All caps, we take this very seriously. After an initial investigation, we've taken substantial corrective action and will continue to do so as appropriate. The actions described in the blog post do not represent the cultural standards at Kicks High, as demonstrated by our diverse and talented team, and will not be tolerated. The sim- the fact that he didn't come out and say, this guy is lying, you know, he said, we did an investigation and corrective actions have been taken. But, you know, no, I, I, I agree with you, but I'm just going to make a counter-argument, though. That's fine. Um, I think that they they couldn't say that because when you have one of the allegations being somebody saying we don't tolerate accusations of racism, if they come back and just say, "Oh, that guy's lying," then it looks like they're not tolerating the accusation of racism. I think that that statement alone, existing in the allegations, causes them to have to say, "Oh, well, we actually have to look like we're we believe this and we're going after this and we're pursuing this," which is what they do. And so, at the very least. Even if that's not true, at least, you know, like, you know, somebody high up, the CEO here basically said, like, we're fixing this. This is not going to be a problem. So going forward, if you, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're a a publisher or you're, you know, you're a developer looking for work, you shouldn't have any concerns about working at KickSci because, like, at least they're, they're now aware of this issue. They're taking it seriously. So you shouldn't have to be concerned about the work environment there. It should be okay. Well, that's, I think that's a very valid point. I still think it happened. 
I still, I, I, yeah, the, 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 we take this very serious. <laughs> it's it's kind of hard to. <laughs> yeah, but that, we take this very deep. seriously. There's, yeah. You know, because things by by taking corrective action, you are giving up the game. Like, yeah, it happened. You know, by taking corrective action or at least saying that. But fundamentally, though, I mean, their their corrective action could be walking or going up to Steve and being like, "Hey, did you say this?" No. Okay, we're we're cool. <laughs> <laughs> and you know in that statement technically that agrees with everything that they said in that statement That's so true. i mean i don't necessarily know if there is you know again this is all internal to kickside as far as what's actually going on there but yeah that, <laughs> we their take correct, this very seriously is their corrective action could have been yeah. you know an hr seminar that should just be like their new their new uh their new slogan on all their games like you know like whatever you know whatever they're gonna do we take this very seriously <laughs> Yeah, but um, yeah, that was just uh, uh that, that news actually came in a little bit later today, but oh, it, it was a little surprising, you know. But it, but, but still, like you know. But, but it's not it's not the only person who put their foot in their mouth today, <laughs> or in the last <laughs> week or so. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> so okay, so here we go. We're gonna move on to our last topic here. Uh, so two things actually. There was a there was a uh, article on GamesIndustry.biz, uh, of course, good website. Uh, the uh, one of the creatives of of Odd of Oddworld, um, uh, Lauren Lanning, uh, had some some choice things to say. Uh, one thing that he brought up saying, you know, EA tried to acquire his his studio apparently, and he says his response to them was "fuck you very much." So I'm like, okay, oh, yeah, it's <laughs> is dead. <laughs> so it's that type of party, okay. <laughs> yeah. So that's what he says, um, and he, he he brings up some some good points, uh, some things that I thought uh, were very uh, were very interesting, because uh, he was talking about you know the process he had to go to when Oddworld came out. You know, when it originally came out, I think it's like for the Xbox back in 2005. It was that was Stranger's Wrath, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, not Odd World, but you know, Stranger's Wrath. But um, you know, he was he 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 says uh, you know, it came out in two thousand and five, and it you know it sold like sixty thousand units, you know, which Odd World was I would say it was a cult classic, but it wasn't really hailed as like a commercial success, uh, for selling like you know six hundred thousand units, and he starts to mention like you know. All the things that were involved in it, uh, the fact that you know, off the top, I think the publisher he says take tw- they take twenty percent. Uh, then after that twenty percent, the entire development budget had to be paid back, and then if there was money left after that, or if the game was still selling, if at that point they would get seven dollars a unit per the sixty dollar unit that was being sold, even yeah. though at that point the games were selling for like fifty bucks. Yeah, that that that's a pretty shitty ratio. Yeah, so you know, for all that work, it it, it really didn't turn out that great for them. It was, it was very risky, and that was back then. Now, you know, we've talked about it several times on the Matchcast. Now it's even riskier. But he's saying now with digital distribution, uh, you know, they can sell a game for nine ninety nine and get seven dollars back per unit. You know, which you'll sell way more games at nine ninety nine. Than seven dollars, yep. and you know, 
it just I'll be honest with you, when I saw the odd world, or especially the odd box went up for like I don't know, it was like fifteen bucks or something like that. Yeah, I bought it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> when do I plan on playing it? Who knows? I have so, to talk to my stack of Xbox games right here that are sitting in my <laughs> backlog. But you know, he says it is way less of a risk, like you know. When you know with a with a I guess a triple A AAA title or a title coming out from a publisher, you have to sell like you know 1.5 million units. So you don't have to, but I guess it's, he's just throwing a number out there. Yeah. Uh, but it's a large number. Yeah, you have to do that or kind of like you know suffer death. Whereas you know with digital distribution or the way they're doing it now, they can sell 50,000 units and they're in business. And one of the big things he was saying is that all of that money. You know, when you go with the publisher, all that money, like the bulk of the money, I should say, that people are spending, don't go into, I guess, maybe a new game that they were like. Like, that's just, you know, publisher taking money off the top, uh, publisher getting their money back, you know, and then the rest is cake. You know, he's saying with the money that he's making or they're making with the digital distribution or, or reselling Oddworld now, with that, with that money, they're gonna put that directly into new games. He was basically saying, you know, you know, uh, like the the big execs act publishers are you know buying Ferraris and stuff with your money, and the developers are eating beans. And he's saying that you know what they're doing is they're taking that cash and not buying Ferraris, but they're investing into you know other games. You were gonna say something, Nick? Because I kind of. Well, I was just going to say that you, clearly you have no problem rewarding unprofessionalism um, by purchasing their game and giving them your money. Um, <laughs> but, I, uh, I didn't know about the, those comments, but I still would have bought it. See, they should they should put that on the box, like you know, like you're, you know, here's Fuck you, Fuck you very much. <laughs> uh, no, but when when I when I mentioned somebody putting their foot in their mouth, and I didn't, I wasn't even thinking of the "fuck you very much" because that is that again, you know, it's. Yeah, that's very surprisingly not professional. But then again, I, I get the impression that that uh, Lauren is not the most professional of individuals. Um, but especially though, the the also equally unprofessional reply from EA um, was uh, let's see where, where was this? It was uh, EA's corporate spokesman Jeff Brown. Um, we wish Lauren luck on the game and recommend Lithium for the paranoia and Tourette's syndrome. <laughs> Nobody here remembers a Jet, a Ferrari, or an offer to buy his company. Um, so there the allegation is that he's just saying whatever thoughts come to his mind unfiltered uh, as though he has Tourette's. Um, which, again, it's nothing – I mean, it's just, it, it's a, it's just not, not a nice comment. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't very nice. I mean, I get, I get his point. What get, would your mother it, think? I get <laughs> his point, but yeah, it's, it, it's – I mean, yeah. You know, that you, is actually a little unusual. Well, not a little. That's very unusual for a PR spokesperson. That's, again, to say. Again, that's, that's, that's like, did you, did you forget that you're at work? <laughs> yeah, you know, that's like something I would say to somebody in Counter Strike. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. It's yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's you know, and I mean, and then it's like you know, even then, it's not. It's it's, it's a little uncouth to be saying it. It's, not it's Counter Strike, not, but no, but but you know, but it's a little you know, but it's it's it's, it's not a professional environment. Even if you're a professional gamer, it's not a professional environment. (laughs) Whereas, yeah, that's just to publicly, you know, like, you know, to to publicly, you know, sort of, you know, compare somebody just, you know, speaking their mind to having Tourette's, it's, it's, it it reflects poorly. 
<laughs> it does reflect poorly, but that's the, that is it's it's the fact that the PR guy said it, like you know, and he said it in an official statement. Yeah, he didn't like say it on Twitter or anything does like that. Not vet those. Yeah, he didn't like say it on Twitter or like on his personal Facebook page. You know, he said it like in an official statement. Like I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. He well, might as well just said that. Like this dude's crazy. Well, if, let's say for a moment though that Lauren legitimately does have Tourette's. Does that make the comment okay? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I, I think he, I think he could swing it. Yeah, I guess it all depends it. on tone. <laughs> yeah, it does. He's like, see, I was legitimately wishing serious. him well and hoping he gets his paranoia and, and, and Tourette's medicated. Then I suppose that is a valid comment. But <laughs> anything less than that, it's it's uh, it's, it, it's another foot in the mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, he he definitely he he said that. I don't know, both of them oh, both of them had choice words, even though I would say EA the old Jeff Brown in particular was more in the wrong hair. Yeah. I mean you can you can let Lorne get away with because I mean he you know he basically runs the company, or, you know, at least he's higher up there, you know, and, and, and he can say you know, he can be candid in an in an interview, but as you pointed out, that's a PR person. You should know better. Yeah, You're supposed you should to know, know the better. rules. But you know the the funny thing is though, um, even though I'm a strong believer in digital distribution, I get and I do believe it gives developers way more power. It gives people who normally couldn't get a game out the ability to push a game out. But when people just flat out, you know, I, I guess ignore the the importance of publishers, say, oh no, that's not a sustainable model, you know, um. That is kind of silly to me when that happens, because there's just certain things that wouldn't happen without the publishers. Like, uh, I don't know. Like, would we? Uh, so that's a bad example because I don't like Call of Duty. But think about it. Like, would it, apparently a lot of people do. Would we get <laughs> Call of Duty if it wasn't for Activision at the level that it is right now? I was, like, I was gonna we, say I think you you might very well get that same game, but it doesn't it doesn't sell as well because in that case you totally need the pu- the publishers driving the 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 advertising well it's not just the advertising for call of duty though it's the amount they they throw so much money at the game the amount of developers they have working on it the uh you know the voice actors they have working on it, the people they have writing the stories hans zimmer does the music <laughs> hans zimmer but i think i mean but that's i mean don't get me wrong his music's good and all but i think you can get the good same... have you seen the rock Actually, I haven't. I oh my to. god! Get off my fucking podcast right now! <laughs> <laughs> I feel Holy like every shit. time you ask me, like, "Have you seen this movie?" The answer is always no. And it's not that I don't see movies; you just always pick the one movie like that I haven't seen. <laughs> Dude, it's but The Rock. I know. I need Sean to see it. I need to see it. I'm not saying uh, it's not good. I'm just saying I haven't had the chance. Uh, my stomach hurts. Okay, fine. Uh. Here's the deal. I'll watch it this week. Hey, I finally saw Inception. You were yelling at me for not having seen Inception. Also, Hans Zimmer, I believe. Yeah, no, I've got no, but I, I think you could get, I think you could get a, a, a similar quality, you know, mu- musician for for cheaper. It's not the same level. It doesn't have the same name recognition, but I think it would be serviceable. I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't, I, I, I think you you could get cl- a close enough facsimile to Call of Duty. I think without a lot of the money, I just don't think that it's. it's you know as, who does close so- enough? Game Loft. <laughs> they do close <laughs> enough. So that's what that's what. That's not comparable. 
Here, you got me talking about Call of Duty like it's the shit. <laughs> like it's not like as a game, it really isn't. But I'm just saying, like they there are some they there are some high quality products involved. With that it's just the gameplay itself that's been dumbed down for the masses. But other than that, the the the, the I don't want to say want to say the graphics quality, but you know, like you know, I guess the overall look. How many? Like I said, all of the development that goes into it, the the music, like all this stuff, like that is like you know that takes money. And a publisher put pushed it behind, you know, put, was pushed behind that. Or let's look at let's look at a better game. Let's look at Battlefield Three. Okay, how about we look at that? Okay, I can talk about that with clean conscience. <laughs> <laughs> Fair Bat- Battlefield Three was is also a, a very massive game with uh, it's good quality sound. You know, I guess uh, music production. I don't know. I don't know. I would say it's as good as Call of Duty's. But you know, look at the engine that they had to build to 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 push that game out. Do they really do that without EA? I mean, EA doesn't own. Actually, does EA own Frostbite Engine? I don't know. I guess they would because Dice is owned by EA. Yeah. But um, you know, like look at that engine, like the, to 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 build that engine, and then to be able to develop on that engine because I don't you have to you have to build the engine. Now you also have to build tools so that you can use that engine effectively. And then you actually have to have people using it, and, and like, high resolution textures like we haven't seen before. Like that takes a lot of money. Do you do that without a publisher? I don't think so. I think that game would have been on Unreal Three Engine. Well, they, did, did the Unreal Three Engine require a publisher? Epic is uh, Epic is a little different. So I, I I think that that's I I think that's sort of my point is it's not. Publishers make these things easier, but it's not the only way to get these things done. Like I like basically like publishers have money. Money always helps. Epic is its own <laughs> publisher, by the way. Epic oh, they is are. A okay, so they do count as a publisher then. Yeah, so. they do count as a publisher. Okay, like, so that's, then, yeah. then I can see the point then. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like, so <laughs> without Epic, Epic I have nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it's it's I I think no I I think it's not it's, it's it's I think it's not impossible to imagine something like Call of Duty coming into existence without the push of a publisher. But when you have that engine behind it, I think that's what makes it that makes it more feasible. It, it, it's it's yeah, basically you know you put money behind something, you throw money into a project, and you should get a high quality output. Um, you know should, <laughs> but I, I I think the issue I think the issue isn't that it's not, it's not the I think publishers will always be around in, in some degree. I think it's just that it's easier now that if you if you see the opportunity to do something without a publisher, the opportunity's there. Whereas before, it's like you were basically like stuck. It was like publisher or bust. Now it's like, oh hey, you know what? We can actually get a viable you know revenue model selling games you know at a, at a very reduced price. That'll you know the sales will allow us to keep churning out more games, and we can live comfortably doing that. And uh, and it's sort of win win for the developer, for the fans, you know, for everybody except for the publisher. But the publisher wasn't going to invest in them anyway because they're not they're not going to get the sales numbers that they need. The publisher can only chase things that are worth that huge investment. They can't. If they're gonna, you know, they're, they're gonna put money into a machine. They need that machine to put out a lot of money, also. Yeah. And some, so something like Oddworld, it doesn't fit their scheme. But whereas before, basically, something like Oddworld, if it didn't fit their scheme, it wouldn't exist. Now there's actually a viable model for them to pursue and say, hey, we can actually still give this to our fans. Right. And I mean, like I said, like, like I, said, I do appreciate. Obviously, I appreciate the distribution and the way things have, you know, happened. 
because it does give games that wouldn't exist normally a way to get to the public. But there are just certain games that we wouldn't have if it wasn't for publishers, and I think publishers will always have a uh, a place. And it, a smart publisher will adapt. That's the thing. If, if, if publishers adapt to the market and uh, do it smartly, they'll be around. I think... I think it was uh, the, was it the interview with was, was it Tom Goodman was the was the guy's name or Goodman? Um, what I, are I, you I, talking I, about? I, I may be misattributing this, um, but I, I think he he was talking about how uh, publishers publishers as they exist today will cease to exist, um, and his, his his argument wasn't that publishers will die altogether, but simply they'll just change into a different form of publishing. And he cited Zynga as sort of the example of like what the what the publisher of the future will look like, because like when you go when you go like into an app store when you go looking for like you know like you know quick downloadable games you know you you know at least i look for games by publishers that i know because i don't you know you see some of these games up here and it could just be some fly by net operation looking to take, get your credit card information and take your money you don't necessarily you know you don't necessarily know that at least if you you see like a known entity it's like okay i can you know i can trust these people with my credit card information until it gets stolen from them but it's not it's it's it, it, I think that's that's sort of the argument is like they've got the clout in like you know the app stores and the marketplaces where you can go in there and you, you you know because they've got all this other revenue behind it they can get your game placed well you know it's, it's they can get you that virtual shelf space that you're looking for I think that's sort of where the publisher of the future will be that again it works within the digital marketplace um, so it's not it's not that you know it's not that there's no it's not the publishers go out of existence completely it's just that they they'll change to fit. The, the, the model that exists. Okay, I can agree with that. Okay. <laughs> we we can end it on that note. So. We, we, we agree. We end on an agreement and a handshake. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but, uh, with you today. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so um, that's going to end our topics. Let's look at the release list. I am not even going to talk about what came out this week. Not dude, really. Oh, Bit Trip Core came out. I haven't played it, so the Bit Trip games are typically good, uh, but I haven't played Core, so not exactly sure. Uh, you know what you should expect from that. Uh, but next week we've got a couple. We got XCOM, Dishonored, Fable: The Journey. That's the Connect one. You'll probably skip it. <laughs> um, of Orcs uh, and Men. That actually looked pretty good. That looked pretty good. I was interested in that. Um, comes out on the 11th. Uh, and Just Dance 4. So I know... Uh, yeah, somebody's going to enjoy that. <laughs> you know, whoever the, plays Just Dance. I, mean. I have to say that those commercials, I can't stop looking at them. Yeah, yeah. On games industry, man. You're killing it, my productivity. I don't... I don't I, 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 it's it, it's like it's it's hypnosis. It's just I just see it and I just can't turn away and I'm just like locked in the paralysis yeah. until it stops. Yeah, it's that's bizarre. what they want, man. That's what they it's want. Bizarre. I, I hope I never actually encounter anybody actually playing that because my head. Man, I'm not gonna buy the game or anything like no. that. Still, it is very. It, it stays with you. Yeah. So. All right. That's, so yeah, that's the game that uh, what Flowrider was pimping at. Uh, yeah. Don't talk to me about that. <laughs> Really don't. Uh, <laughs> God, eat, eat fucking three. <laughs> oh well, I, I'm I'm not gonna let it get to me. I'm just gonna end this podcast. And... Aren't, aren't we like halfway to the next D three now? No, actually, let's go June. Actually, no. The next E three may actually 
if they just show off the new consoles like they're supposed to, I'm pretty sure we're in for a, so for a treat. <laughs> One way or the other. <laughs> oh, yeah, like either man. <laughs> You're absolutely right. All right, so, um, yeah, that is going to end our podcast. Um, you're probably listening on SoundCloud, but if you're not, we are on SoundCloud.com slash matchless buttons. Um, has iTunes been fixed yet? iTunes has not been fixed. Oh, so, so you're not on iTunes. Yeah, so stay away from iTunes, but we'll be on it. <laughs> you might want to subscribe now so you can get the stuff when it actually just listen, it out. iTunes, just keep listening to that last podcast over and over again. They, they're stuck patience. at number 65. 65. 65. Yeah. But, um, yeah, like, hey, we were, we're at number 70 now. We're After this one, 29 more, and then we're at 100. We got to do something big, man. Yeah. Got to do something big. So Start planning that now. Yeah. I'll, it'll, iTunes will be fixed by then. Maybe that'll be the surprise. <laughs> but uh yeah we're uh yeah yeah we're working on it i'm very sorry but we're also on stitcher smart radio for your ios and android devices you can also um do stitcher offline now so uh if you if you don't feel like streaming that you can download to stitcher uh we are on twitter.com slash match those buttons oh sorry twitter.com slash mtb site and also facebook.com slash match those buttons uh, we are also on youtube.com slash mash those buttons. The newest episode of mash that is out and it's on the fighting game community. Um, yeah, actually there's one more thing I wanted to bring up and it's extremely quick and then we can go. Remember a couple weeks ago when we were talking about that guy who supposedly had the Xbox, the next gen Xbox and was selling on eBay. Oh yeah. Okay. It's bullshit. And this is why. Um, so uh, the, uh, I guess Rhode Island. Oh yeah, it's yeah, okay. auctioning off. Um, who? What's the name? Third, of that Third Gate Studios. It was Third the, Gate the Studios, the, yeah. the Kurt Chilling Stone Studio that uh, that was trying to that pushed out uh, Kingdoms of Amalur. Yeah, and yeah. Subsequently went under because the game didn't sell well. Yeah, so they are they're, they're auctioning off their stuff there, but Microsoft stepped in and said, "You can't auction off that dev kit. That belongs to us. You know, you that that is not their property." It is licensed to specific uh, companies, and it you know it doesn't belong to them, so you can't auction it off. So that is pretty much proof enough for me. It's the proof in the pudding that this guy had never had an Xbox because Microsoft would have stepped in and taken it away from him. Did they? Well, I mean, well, I guess they'd have to physically go get it. They could at the very least block the eBay sale. They could block the eBay sale and then send the court subpoena to yeah. to his place of residence. So then he's just a man on the run from the law and Microsoft. Yeah. With an Xbox. So, with an Xbox, yeah. So And I, we didn't hear anything like that happening, so I'm calling bullshit on that. But now we definitely know how that works. <laughs> so, well, unless, like, unless, it did ha- uh, unless it did happen and Microsoft just kept everybody hushed up. Maybe. But hey, like that's, you know, I hope we have an idea how it works. And we predicted that's the way it worked anyway, because we, we don't have a dev kit, but hey. <laughs> And if we don't have one, then you probably don't have one. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, thanks for listening, and we will catch you guys next week, hopefully fully staffed. <laughs> so <laughs> we will see you then. All right. Have a good one. Yeah, have a great weekend, everybody. Bye.